We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. And welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report Podcast. I have one of your hosts, Zach Pierce. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming. Aaron, can you believe it, man? Training camp is next week. It's wild. I mean, we are just talking about before we uh, press record here, and it's – I mean, it's its just crazy. I mean, granted, I've been dealing with a lot, so it's been maybe a little bit different for me because I haven't really been putting a lot of focus on it, but it feels like things have just flown by. Yeah, things – I mean, I, I, I just can't believe next week will the Bears will be reporting to Bourbon A, and then two weeks from Thursday, the first um, – NFL preseason game with the Hall of Fame, uh, Hall of Fame game in Canton between the uh, Broncos and Falcons on the first of August, and then the following week the Bears are in action. I think it's I think they played Thursday or Friday against the uh, Carolina Panthers to kick off preseason. So it's wild. Summer's coming down to an end, and now we'll be a lot busier with all the Bears stuff. Yeah, it's funny. I was actually just talking about somebody about that earlier because at least you know where I'm at, it's. I mean, do summers are usually brutal here, uh, and this year it hasn't really been that bad. I think I don't even think we've hit the 110s yet, which is extremely rare. But usually by this time, it's like consistently 110. It doesn't look like it's going to get that way anytime soon. So it's been. I think that's another reason. Like I'm usually used to. I mean, we're in what mid July right now. I mean, we're right around the time of training camp, and usually by this time it's super hot. It's you know don't want to do anything. You know, just focused on football, and it's. Yeah, it's just weird. I don't know. I, I don't really know how else to put it. I mean, we're a little over, probably by the time most people listen to this, we'll be just slightly over three weeks away from the Bears' first preseason game. And as we all know, I mean, once preseason hits, I mean, that's really that's really the start of everything. So, I mean, we're we're right around the corner, and I, I definitely think it's a good thing. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe it's been, what, right around seven months, almost eight months since the whole Cody Parkey thing happened yep. in the playoffs. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, it's, it's kind of snuck up on me too, training camp this year. But last year, I remember it was early. It was like I think they reported July 21st because uh, they had they were in the Hall of Fame game. So camp opened up a little earlier, and they had a couple more dates than they do this year. But so it just feels like for whatever reason, I mean, this year was I guess there was more to do in between. Um, obviously after OTAs and, and the mini camps and all that, they did have the 100th celebration. So I guess that kind of helped, uh, accelerate things. And then, you know, the players have their summer off, but yeah, it's wild. I, I'm just ready to get down there to Bourbon and I'm ready to, uh, actually get some, um, football played because I'm excited for this upcoming season. Uh, yeah, but on today's show, uh, we're going to actually talk a little bit about, a situation that we've been talking about, it seems like, for every damn podcast episode that we've done uh, since the since the actual Cody Parkey uh, missed field goal. We finally have some clarity on the Robbie Gold situation. <laughs> I mean, that's just – feels like a monkey off of our backs. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk a little bit about the training camp, the Bears' plans, uh, this upcoming Sunday indicator, and then maybe we'll dabble into a little bit into the Madden ratings. I know – Aaron, you're not a big fan of the Madden ratings in general, and I just maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, let's actually let's get into this Cody or let's get into this Robbie Gold uh, situation. So the big news this past week, um, you know, was Robbie Gold. He agreed to the four-year deal with the uh, San Francisco 49ers, meaning he is not coming back to Chicago. We can finally put that story to rest for good, right? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I think that's... I hope so, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I think Adam Shepard even basically made a comment about how that rules out anything, him coming back to Chicago. And it, I, I won't lie, I'm a little surprised by it, just because I think, uh, you know, Gold's camp put a pretty hard, at least it seemed like they kind of put a pretty hard charge into, you know, they're not signing anything long-term, they're, they're not, he's not going to kick in San Francisco, and here we are, but... I think just overall, I mean, it. when you look at the Bears cap situation uh, right now, I mean, they're sitting in good shape. Obviously, we'll have to see what happens with the extensions and any moves that they would make prior to the season. But, I mean, they're sitting solid with cap space right now. I think last time I checked, it was a little over $16 million. But the problem is, moving in next year, I mean, it's it's a completely different ballgame. So, while it may have made some sense to have a kicker making $5 million a year this year, uh, you know, it's not going to make a lot of sense moving forward. I mean, the Bears are already going to be struggling to keep the players that they have and make other moves. And having, you know, a $5 million kicker a year, uh, Cody Parkey has dead money this year. He's got dead money next year. I mean, it just it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. So it's it's one of those situations where I think, in theory, things seem to, to make a lot more sense than maybe they did, you know, actually in person and in and, and the reality of the situation. But it's still a situation for the Bears where that's one less option that they have moving into camp if one of their two legs struggle, which, I mean, I think we've talked about this multiple times. I don't really have any faith whatsoever in either Eddie Pinheiro or uh, Fry at this point. So, I, you know, it just kind of it, it muddies the water a little bit, but at the same time it also kind of makes it clear that if they're going to go out and they're going to get a different kicker, assuming one of these two guys don't work out, then – it's probably going to be a Henrik Bedvik uh, from from the Ravens, or it's going to be, you know, whoever whoever loses the the camp battle with Tampa Bay, or whoever loses the camp battle with uh, with Cleveland. I mean, there's there's going to be some guys that got drafted that may get cut. So I mean, there's there's definitely going to be some options. There's some options out there every year. I'm just hoping that here in what a month and a half, because we're in the middle of July right now. So in a month and a half from now, heading into Week One, we're not sitting here talking about uh, you know who's who's going to be the kicker, how uncomfortable we are. 
you know, throughout this training camp process early on, one of the two, either Elliot Fryer or Eddie Pinero, just establishes himself as the the leader, you know, the leader in the clubhouse to win the job, and and just kind of takes over as a starter because. I mean, you did mention those options. You know, back you have the kicker battle, and well, it's not really a kicker battle in Baltimore. Justin Tucker is going to win it, but you have the battles everywhere else with other kickers open. I'd rather just have either Panero or Fry really grab hold of the job and show, okay, yeah, I'm the kicker for this job, rather than having to, you know, we go into um, the third, fourth preseason game and we're just waiting for cuts. Um, for the 53-man roster to find a kicker, I, I I just I wouldn't feel comfortable in that situation. But I do think there is a chance that the 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 week one kicker is not on this Bears roster as we head into training camp, which you know that that also worries me. So it, it's definitely gonna be one of the storylines to um watch in camp, and fans are actually gonna get the chance to see this kicker battle for the first time. And you know all of you guys have heard and and from all the reporters about what has gone on and and the tactics the Bears are using. And I don't think that's going to end in training camp. I think you're going to see a lot of the same stuff that Matt Nagy and Chris Tabor have been doing um, with this kicker bet. I think you're going to see a lot of the freezing where all the players just kind of stop and are very quiet and they just let the kickers go out there and kick. Um, I wouldn't put it past Matt Nagy to even come up with something else more creative uh, during training camp to kind of give fans a little bit of a show. Because, I mean, there's one thing we've learned. He's all about pressure um, with this kicking situation. Well, and I think the big thing to keep in mind, too, is it's one thing to have the kind of pressure in front of your own teammates and the silence and all that stuff. It's going to be a whole different situation when these guys are kicking at family day, when these guys are kicking at the eight training camp dates that they have. I mean, fans are going to be on top of them, and they absolutely should. I mean, it should be a situation where every single day they should be putting these kickers out in front of, you know, on the main field that everybody's watching in front of every single fan and allow them to to pressure them. I mean, I think that's kind of the, the level you, you're at. A, you're in a situation right now where it's really simple. I mean, you have two kickers. Neither one of them have established themselves. I think I think it's still pretty safe to say that Pinheiro is probably the favorite just because they traded for him. Uh, this was definitely a Jamie Cole kind of thing. But neither one of these guys has separated themselves. And I'm not sold that either one of these guys are remotely the answer. And as we all know, I mean, you can't really be a Super Bowl contender if you don't have a good kicker. And I think that's kind of where the Bears are going to have to work very diligently um, through training camp, through preseason to really figure out, is one of these guys really the answer? And if not, then they need to be aggressive in making a move. I mean, we've you just mentioned it with Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker is the kicker. Uh, they have Sam Koch, who is their punter in, in, in Baltimore. Henrik Bedbick is going to be somebody, and maybe I'm getting his first name wrong, but Bedbick, either way. Uh, he's going to be a guy that is absolutely going to be on the market. They've talked about it. They're going to trade him. There's a reason they put him on IR last year. The guy has a massive leg. He's a great punter. He's got a crazy leg even for a kicker. I mean, this guy, I mean, he's he's going to be there. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's a kicker, so he's not going to command a ton. But I think that if you're really looking at it between that or, you know, one of the camp cuts, depending on who, who else kind of shows up, I mean, that that's probably going to be what you're looking at because – I mean, you could always go out. I mean, Matt Bryant's always an option. Uh, you could always go out and sign maybe a guy like Ty Forbath. And I'm kind of surprised Forbath hasn't gotten a more of a look. I mean, I know he was there for one of the tryouts, but I mean, he's always been a pretty solid kicker. I mean, he's a hell of a lot better than Cody Parkey was last year. Um, so it, it's just, man, I, I, I'm so sick of talking about it. I'm so sick of thinking about it. It's like this is probably the best Bears team that we've seen since probably their last Super Bowl team. Um, you know, and, it, and it's one of those situations where – 
there's just these little small things hanging over. It's like I can deal with, the, you know, people criticizing the Bears and thinking they're going to be the, the 2018 Jaguars. I understand that, you know, whatever. But the one thing that just is really, really just completely old at this point is the kicking situation. And, I mean, gold would have made sense in terms of he would have been, you know, probably the best option. But at the same time, age and money were a big thing. So now they've got to really hope that either one of these guys is the answer. And I'm sure that's kind of what they're hoping for. Uh, or more than likely, they're going to have to they're going to have to keep a very close eye on some of these other kickers in preseason. Yeah, I'm just glad they can kind of put away this uh, <laughs> this gold drama for for good now because it, yeah, I mean I I see the connection. Obviously, he played in Chicago, but it's just like if he came back, I mean it's no guarantee that he'd be really damn good again. Um, I mean yeah, he does know how to kick in at Soldier Field, but if the Bears actually were to bring him out or were to uh, get him on the roster before he signed the contract with uh, San Francisco and he comes out and he misses a couple kicks. I mean, then what do you do? It's, it's like you're kind of restarting all over again. And I just, just think how crazy this is. Arguably one of the biggest off season stories this year was a kicker holding out. I mean, you, you hear about all holdouts, you know, going into training camp and extending into the regular season. I mean, look, Le'Veon Bell sat out all of last season. That was a huge story. Uh, you have rookies, Joey Bosa and Jamarcus Russell, both held out, you know, over the last 10 years. Michael Crabtree held out. You look, uh, someone like Cam Chancellor, safety held out. But, I mean, this, this storyline with a kicker holding out like this and just – and everything around it and the connection to the Bears and all that stuff was just – it's just an odd story. And just, I'm finally glad we put that – you know, laid that to rest. But now – you're right. The Bears have to find their kicker, and whether it is Vedvik, which is likely, you know, the Ravens have been trying trying to move in this offseason, according to a couple reports. Um, whether or not the Bears make a move to acquire him, or if he's cut in the Bears sign him, it, it's I don't know what they're gonna do, but it's just it's like you said, it's frustrating to have to continue to worry about a kicker position because you're right, Pinero and Fry really haven't done anything to make me think that, that they should be the number one starter. That's why I hope one of them just a light switch comes on in the early training camp. Just they're just lights out in all the situations, but it's just it's so frustrating because I, I just, you know the Bears do have one of the better rosters they've had in a long time, probably since that Super Bowl year. Arguably, you know they were pretty damn good in 2011 when they went to the NFC Championship game, 2010, 2011, um, and then maybe there was a team there in what 2012 um, that had a lot of talent. But I mean this team's right there with them and. and for a kicker to be kind of holding them back and and be their big problem is just it's very frustrating. It is, and it's something that they need to get figured out. I mean, that's really it, barring any sort of injuries. I mean, that's really their only real concern, and it's something that it's just it's something that shouldn't be an issue. I I, I don't really know how else to put it, man. I mean, there's there's plenty of teams that go out and they find guys that they've been cut, and that's the thing, like. It would be a different situation if, let's say, like, you know, the, the, the Patrick Manley situation where he retired. It took him a little bit to get the long snapper situation figured out, right? But we're talking about they cut Robbie Gold. They stuck with Connor Barth too long. They bring in Cody Parkey. And in that time frame, there's been all sorts of guys. They could have had Will Lutz. They could have had uh, Harrison Butker. I mean, there's all sorts of different kickers that were undrafted free agents that have been cut by other teams that have been picked up by other teams that the Bears could have been in on, and it's just one of those situations where I, I really like Ryan Pace. I really like what he's done with his team, but I think the one true question for him right now, uh, getting in the way of a Super Bowl outside of obviously Trubisky and his progress and, and what he can do in year three, 
is can he figure out the kicking situation? The one, the one of the, you know, the least uh, hard positions in football, you know, to figure out, can he figure it out? Can he, can he get the right guy to where it's not going to cost him or even where it could be a situation where they can, you know, that, that kicker can win a game. I mean, it's just the fact that we're to this point, the fact that we're still at this point, I mean, we're, we're talking back in, what was it? January, uh, late January is when they signed Redford Jones and, and really kind of, you know, kind of started moving off of Cody Parkey and we're no closer to a solution than we were, you know, at, at that point back in, back in January. So, I mean, I, I guess it's one thing you, you got to let it play out. They got to get in the preseason. They got to get in the training camp and we'll see. And, and I, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think that the bears are in a situation where they're fully aware that, they're not happy with the kicking situation. I think there's multiple people within the organization, including some of the coaches that are clearly uncomfortable with how everything's gone so far. So now it's, is there a solution there? Is there a solution not there? And if so, then I think Ryan Pace needs to be aggressive like he was with Khalil Mack. I mean, there's not a Khalil Mack kicker out there by any means, but I think a guy like Vedvik makes the most sense because he, I mean, he looks like an absolute stud. He has a leg. And that's kind of one of the things that they look at, especially kicking at Soldier Field. So, I mean, he has the pedigree. So, I don't know, man. It's just it's so frustrating that we have to continue to talk about this over and over and over. And it's going to be – obviously, it's going to be something in training camp that we're going to have to keep an eye on. It's going to be something in preseason that we're going to have to keep an eye on. And it's also going to be very interesting to see if that impedes the offensive development in any way, shape, or form because I would have a feeling that – they would probably want to see as many kicking situations as possible. So, I mean, I'd have to assume that there's probably going to be times where maybe they take a knee or they kick on third down or whatever it may be to really get these guys in the, in the, in the proper positions to be able to evaluate them. Yeah, it's definitely a storyline that we're going to have to watch throughout training camp. And, you know, you know, as soon as the first mess happens, Twitter and all that's just going to explode with fans because uh, they'll actually get to see it. But, um, yeah, now that we've, you know, I was going to say it, it wouldn't be a Bear Report podcast episode unless we did talk about the kicker situation. So let's head into our first break. And then after that, we'll talk a, a little bit about the training camp plans um, with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy's press conference. And then we'll get into some interviews we did with um, podcasters from the Detroit Lions and Green Bay Packers. We'll be right back. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Hey, welcome back into the Bear Report podcast. We just got done with about uh, 12 minutes of Robbie Gold and Bears kicker talk. Hopefully for the last time this year, I, I, we talk about kickers almost every podcast now. Uh, but it is a problem for the Chicago Bears as they go into training camp and something to watch um, at training camp and through the preseason. Speaking of training camp, when things kick off next week, um, the Bears will report on Thursday. Rookies are earlier. I believe they're Tuesday or Monday. But instead of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace holding their um, general, you know, pre, pre-training camp press conference in Bourbonnais, um when players report, they're actually going to be hosting it this weekend. So we'll have some insight on, on Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and where they 
stand right now going into this training camp a little earlier than expected. You know, they're doing it in Decatur to help celebrate the 100 years of the Bears, 100 years of the NFL. Um, I get why they're doing it. It's just, you know, with that being a little early, it kind of, I said it before, it kind of brings up some concerns that we won't have injury news on key players like Trey Burton, Emmanuel Hall, Anthony Miller, um, et cetera. Because I don't think the medicals – I mean, I could be wrong. Like Maybe they're doing the medicals later this week, but um, typically they do the medicals when they arrive at training camp. So that's my one worry. But but we'll we'll get to hear some good stuff from Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, and I expect Nagy and Pace to be fired up. They're ready. They know the expectations um, surrounding this team. So I'm kind of interested to hear what they're going to say on that and how Matt Nagy plans to kind of not you know lower those expectations but just kind of make the players – you know, relax and, and how they can embrace that. Well, I think with the medicals, I, I think it's within the CBA that until they officially report, I mean, they, cause that's the thing is rookies officially report a few days beforehand. So yep. would assume that, you know, that most of the veterans will report then as well. But in terms of medicals, I don't even think they can do medicals until they report. So, I mean, yeah, it's going to be probably right on that. It's probably going to be a situation where they may be able to say, yeah, you know, we talked to these guys and this is our feeling, you know, and blah, 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 blah. But just a sneaking suspicion, I think we're going to see a few guys start on PUP. And I think that that's going to be kind of a strategic move just in the fact that obviously we know Trey Bird is going to be good for the season. We know Anthony Miller is going to be good for the season. But a guy like, uh, you know, Emmanuel Hall, for example, right? You know, they could start him off on, uh, off on Pup just for the simple fact that, let's say, you know, he's still two, three weeks away and, you know, he doesn't get through any of training camp and maybe he misses, let's just say, two preseason games. They may make the decision of we're just going to keep him on Pup. And then that way it's just it's easier for them to be able to keep him on the roster uh, throughout the season and, you know, put him on IR or whatever. The, I can't remember exactly what the designation is. So we could see some strategic moves because I think the, kind of the thing to keep in mind here is the Bears have a very deep roster. They have some young talent that maybe won't fit into, let's say, year one, uh, you know, of, of their seasons or, you know, young in their, you know, in 2019 really is what this comes down to. But maybe they have future plans for those guys. Another guy would be Alex Bars, for example. I think that those are the kind of players uh, that they have in mind, some of these undrafted free agents, um, where maybe they play it overly safe, if that makes any sense, to where they keep these guys on the pup. The same thing with Roy Robertson Harris a few years ago. I mean, I'm not saying that what he had wasn't legit, but what I'm saying is I, I think that they – they liked him pre-draft because they, I think they met with him two different times, including a private interview, if I remember right. But at the same time, they also, you know, they were very smart. They kept him on the pup list, and then, you know, it ended up to where he didn't. It was actually that year didn't even count for him. And then he was able to bulk up, put on some weight, and play defensive end in a three-four scheme. So it's one of those situations where I think that the Bears could be somewhat smart and they could be somewhat strategic in how they're dealing with some of these young players. And knowing, okay, you know, we could have them on the roster in year one, uh, but they're also going to take away from, you know, a different position. And it could be smart for them to maybe say, okay, we're going to give you basically a medical redshirt where, yes, they are hurt and maybe they're going to be ready towards the end of preseason. 
Um, but it's also an easier way for them to be able to keep some of these guys on the roster. And it would make a lot of sense because, again, going back to the cap situation, the Bears aren't going to have a lot of flexibility in the next few years. The cap could continue to go up as much as it wants uh, because of Trubisky's contract that's going to happen, because of Cody Whitehair, which we're expecting probably within the next few weeks to a month, uh, within you know Leonard Floyd, Eddie Jackson, Tariq Cohen. I mean, they got all sorts of guys that they've got to extend and that's not going to go away. And, and that's kind of the thing. I mean, you want some of these guys like a Steven Denmark or an Emmanuel Hall or, you know, an Alex Bars, for example, to where you can have these guys at, you know, minimum contracts and you could still have them contributing to the team and at least playing reserve roles. And that's going to be a big factor down the line for the Bears. I mean, they're in the middle of their window, but in order for their window to continue to stay open with their prime players and be able to sign these guys, they got to have cheaper replacements. they got to have cheaper depth. And that's where some of these, you know, these undrafted free agents and some of these younger guys that they have, that's why I think they could be a little bit more strategic than normal. And that's why you have to draft well, draft well um, because you're going to have to pay some of these players. But if you can replenish that roster th- through each draft, you know, it, it might make it a little easier for Ryan Pace. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be something to watch, too, uh, who starts off on PUP, what the injury situations are going to be like. And we may not know for – a couple practices at least because the players won't talk unless they're at practice. So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the reporters will try to sneak in some questions um, to other players about um, player statuses, but I really wouldn't expect much right off the bat, especially from that Sunday press conference on um, the medicals for any of these guys. You're pretty much going to hear the same stuff that you heard through OTAs with Anthony Miller and Trey Burton that, yes, we do expect them ready for um, the regular season and they'll likely return some point in training camp, do some light work, um, probably have limited roles in the preseason. And then a guy like Emmanuel Hall is very interesting too because, I mean, he, he is getting to go on pup. And um, a player like that who was part of that undrafted free agent class that the Bears brought in, I mean, he was one of the high, highlight guy, if not the guy um, on top of that class. And we really have not seen him at all um, through OTAs. And, and I, I doubt we'll see him at all, um, maybe very little at most um, for training camp. But yeah, it's just it's a little it's a little odd though because it's scheduled to be a 30 45 minute press conference. It's how long they usually last, and it's really our one chance to talk to Ryan Pace um, throughout the year because he doesn't talk to the media much. He talks to him before the preseason, talks in his in his um, regular season finale press conference, the end of season one, and then at the uh, combine and after the draft. So I'm gonna be interested to hear what they have to say as the Bears get ready to go into training camp. Um, but yeah, let's continue actually our divisional, um, training camp preview. Uh, last week we talked with a Vikings podcaster, uh, to kind of give us a thought on uh, some insight on the, on the Vikings as they head into camp, what went wrong last season, uh, what to expect this season. And then on this episode, we actually have two interviews to play. We're going to play one with a Lions podcaster as part of the overtime media network, um, Jamie McTaggart. Um, and then we're going to talk with, um, the Packers podcast from the Overtime Media Network and uh, kind of get their thoughts on uh, the Green Bay Packers as we're literally going to be under 50 days uh, at the end of this week until week one. So we'll go into the Lions podcast first. This is Jamie McTaggart, and we hope you enjoy. And now welcoming in onto the Bear Report podcast, a special guest, Jamie McTaggart of the Lions, a witch in a war room podcast. Um, she covers the Lions for there and is familiar with the team. So we kind of want to bring a guest in to get you guys familiar with one of the Bears NFC North rivals. Jamie, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be able to share 
Lions knowledge with you guys. No problem, no problem. Yeah, on our last week's episode, we had a Vikings podcaster come on and kind of break down the Vikings on the NFC North. So now it's the Lions' turn. And where I want to start is year one where Matt Patricia was, you know, so-so. I don't think many people expected the Lions to really make the playoffs last year. You can correct me if I'm wrong there. But I think going into this year, I think many expect them to take that step forward and, and, you know, be contenders in the NFC North. What was kind of the general feeling from last season after it all ended? You know, was there a lot of good, a lot of bad, or just kind of just so-so? I really think that unless you're talking to somebody who's been drinking a lot of the Honolulu Blue Kool-Aid, <laughs> the overall feeling that Lions fans had for the season was disappointing. I think that there was this idea that Matt Patricia was going to be some sort of savior that was going to come in and fix all the Lions' woes, which was a lot of unfounded pressure put on him because that just doesn't really happen, generally speaking, with a brand-new head coach. Um, and you kept JBC, Jim Bob Cooter, as an offensive coordinator, which has been problematic since he started with the Lions. So you weren't going to see a lot of improvement with him still there, still making the same predictable play calls. It just was a perfect storm of disappointment for Lions fans. Yeah, it's the Lions every year because always do, you know, I'm sure most of us probably do always do the, you know, the, the, the year beginning of the year predictions or whatever. And every year, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm always wrong about the Lions. And this year I was finally, finally right. Or this last year, I was. the other thing I wanted to say before we kind of get deeper into this is Zach, I think we need to maybe step up our game on the uh, creative side with the podcast name, man, because between hers <laughs> and things like we are, we're slacking. Yeah, ours is pretty generic. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious, though, to get your perspective, because obviously the Bears had a new uh, head coach in last year, too. I was actually a big fan of Matt Patricia. Um, and it seemed like things kind of got weird uh, throughout the season. I mean, I, I'm sure you could shed more light on it, but at least from an outside perspective, it was kind of it was kind of interesting to see how he ta- uh, treated the media, how things kind of went. What, did, what was your overall takeaway from year one, and what are you expecting in year two with Patricia? I mean, do you think this is the guy? Do you think they made a mistake, or is it too early to tell? I honestly, I have a lot of faith in Patricia. I think that he's going to be able to pull a lot of a winning kind of ethic out of the Lions that maybe they were missing. It seems to be, that, and I'm sure that you guys heard the stories too, that there was a lot of discord in the locker room because he really wanted to make players work. He wasn't one of those coaches that is going to be, oh, you're a veteran, you do what you want, and we'll just plug you into plays when we need you. He expected everybody on the field to put in the work from day one. There seemed to be a lot of veteran players who thought that they were maybe above that or shouldn't have to put that much of their body on the line for preseason practice and that sort of thing. I think that that really kind of hurt him, and I think that he has been able to weed a lot of that out of the system. So this year is really going to show if he can win over the locker room the way he needs to, to get them to buy into his system, or if it's going to be more of the same kind of struggle between him as head coach and the veteran players on the team. That You know, that's interesting to me because I think looking back when Mark Trustman kind of took over the Bears after they fired Lovey Smith, I think Mark Trustman went the opposite route of what Patricia's doing and kind of was like, you know what? Yeah, the veterans can rest. And, I mean, Lance Briggs opened up a restaurant in California three days before, three or four days before the season started. Right. And it ultimately backfired on 
on Matt Nagy. And well, now Patricia's taking the opposite approach. And I think, you know, you heard everything that came out with the media, how he treats um, you know, maybe good and bad and all that stuff. But I think towards the end of the year, things got better for the Lions, you know, in my eyes. Um, they obviously finished last place or whatever in, in the NFC right. North. Um, but now going into this offseason, you know, they kind of they made a big move. They got um, uh, Trey Flowers. They got Justin Coleman. They signed Jesse James. Um, they brought in, you know, a couple other guys. They actually got a former Bear, Marcus Cooper, who you guys are going to be very frustrated <laughs> with if he's anything <laughs> like he was with the Bears. But I think the Lions improved a little bit this offseason. What's kind of the general feeling after free agency and then going into the draft and then after the draft now on um, where the Lions kind of stand with their offseason? I think that free agency signing Lions fans were very excited about a lot of the signings because you did see, you saw the big trade flowers and he filled that desperately needed edge rusher that the Lions haven't been able to find for years now. They just haven't been able to find a good edge rusher. And, and I think that a lot of people have a lot of faith in Danny Amendola because he has a relationship with Patricia. He kind of knows what Patricia is going to expect. Um, but the, Drafting, Lions fans are a little leery about the draft. They, they weren't, nobody was picked that they expected. Nobody would have expected Hawkinson to be the Lions' first pick. And he has a really bad, a really bad, um, he's walking into a really bad situation because the Eric Ebron was the exact same situation. And Eric Ebron turned out so bad for the Lions. Just couldn't hold on to anything, dropping everything, just seemed to not really want to play for the team and it was the exact same situation you had this great person on the on the bench waiting to be drafted and we picked Eric Ebron we did the same thing with Hawkinson this year now a video of Hawkinson shows that he's really great and that he's been fantastic at catching and and holding on to the ball um but it's not it's not seen on an NFL field yet with actual pro players is he going to be able to be that good so he has a he has a legacy he has to overcome, and it's kind of unfortunate for him. But and then you have um, Jelani what's his name Jelani Tavai Nobody even really saw him coming out of anything. So again, you check the tapes and yeah, it looks good, but they don't really see why the Lions thought he would fit with them. So it's going to be interesting to see in the preseason how they actually play him, how they actually utilize him. And if it is the amazing signing that they played it off as being. Yes. Yeah, it's the, the, the Lions offense is kind of what I'm most interested in because it's, it's one of those things that's kind of like we're talking about with the, with the Viking stuff too. You know, you, you have an established quarterback with Kirk, with Kirk Cousins with the Vikings, obviously with Matt Stafford with the, with the Lions. And the, the one thing that I've been kind of following and granted it's, it's been a little bit more hectic than me. Uh, hectic than most offseason for me, but one of the things I've really been watching is kind of that that the the receiver spot for the Lions right now. I mean, obviously, you know they have some established depth there, but what do you what are they looking at in terms of especially Marvin Jones? Because I've read a few different things, and obviously it, it's probably something that you can give more perspective to than somebody kind of watching from the outside. But at least when I've read, it's kind of one of those things where it looks like he's going to stick around this year, but it looks like they're trying to move on from him, and he may not be maybe as big of a part of the offense as he has, as he has been in years past. I mean, can you shed any light on that? Yeah, I think that, I think that they're kind of giving him his final hurrah. Like, can he make it go? Can he make a case for keeping him around? 
because he has been serviceable, but not necessarily reliable. He's not your big playmaker. He's not your Kelvin Johnson or your Kenny Galladay that's going to go out and make these fantastic and amazing catches that are going to be on highlight reels. But he's going to catch a few, and he's going to get a few extra yards for you after the catch. I think that this season is his prove it, prove that you deserve a spot on the team, prove that you need you deserve to be a lead receiver. And we'll see if he can live up to that hype. And then one of the off-season training, uh, excuse me, one of the off-season storylines going into training camp is Darius Slay, obviously one of the top corners um, in the league. We, you know, Bears fans have seen him for a couple years now. Is there like a serious threat with his holdout, or should we expect to end soon? How long do you think he'll hold out? I I fully expect that he will hold out as long as possible. I, I would not necessarily put it best past him sitting out a couple games. He seems really intent on getting more money and truthfully deserves more money. He's been the line defensive playmaker for years now, and there's no reason he should not be the top defensive aid player. Um, he seems to be very set on his goal, but he also seems keeps saying that he really wants to stay in Detroit. He really wants to make it work. So it'll, it's kind of hard to tell for sure. But I think that I think that it's going to end up coming down to pay him more if you want to see him actually put some effort forth on the field. Well, I'm looking kind of at the defensive side of the ball with the Lions right now, and I mean they have they have some good names. I mean, obviously they got Snacks Harrison, uh, they picked up Drake yeah. Blackers, uh, you know Darius. <laughs> just talked about you know so but i'm kind of curious because especially in the secondary it, it seems like they had a lot of issues last year obviously slay was hurt for a little bit um tracy walker mm-hmm. seemed like he came on a little bit so is there anybody within the secondary that you kind of have your eye on this year that may be that breakout player for the lions especially in the secondary which they need right um i am kind of keeping an eye out for slay i want to see if he can stay healthy i want to see if he can really stick in there and and do the job that we've come to expect him expect from him um and then same for trey flowers can trey flowers get in there and really stop those runs and close up that edge so that the runs don't make a lot of ground those are the two that i'm really kind of keeping an eye out i don't really see a lot of depth in our secondary still i think that's really kind of just the weak point that we've had for a long time it hasn't been addressed yet and then with training camp starting in a couple of weeks, what, you know, if right now, if you were to say, what are kind of your thoughts on the Lions going into the year? Do you expect them to be towards the bottom? Do they have a chance to contend for the NFC title? And, you know, does it, I mean, does it all fall on Matt Stafford's shoulders, the offense, or kind of what do you expect going into the year? I expect that you're going to see a big improvement over last year. I think that a lot of the kinks from the Patricia coaching style versus the past coaching styles of Lions coaches have been ironed out. So I think that you're going to see um, Matt Stafford a little more on the Matt Patricia train as well. Um, But it kind of remains to be seen. We're going to have to see how well Stafford actually fits into Bevel's offense, how comfortable he is with that, how much leeway Bevel gives him to make calls out on the field. And then you still have to see kind of what's going to happen with this year's draft class because Hawkinson is expected to be a starter straight off the go. So is he going to be able to live up to the tape that we've seen? And will we be able to get the same kind of performance out of Frank Ragnall that, that we saw last year? Will 
um, Carrie Ann Johnson be able to stay healthy? Will he continue to improve and make those leaps and bounds above where he was last year? And can Sean Hand kind of grow from where he was? They were all fantastic in their rookie years, but we need to see that growth to get them where we really need them to be if we're going to be contenders. I think the potential is there, but there's a lot of questions left on the board to be able to answer that. And I think one of my biggest questions when looking at the Lions right now, and it's more of a positive question, at least from a Lions fan's perspective, is I'm very curious to see how big of a leap Carrion Johnson can take this year. Because you just brought up Daryl Bevel. I mean, that's them being able to run the ball and having a, uh, I would say, a run-heavy offensive mind in, the, in a guy like Daryl Bevel, I think it's a really good thing for them. And I think that's one of their strengths. I mean, obviously, Matt Stafford's a good quarterback. Uh, I think they have a pretty pretty good uh, offensive line, and they got some good receivers. But I'm kind of curious to get your perspective on just where do you see Carryon Johnson's production lining up this year? Because I mean, you kind of look in, you can look at almost any team within the NFC North right now, and you can look at all the running backs, and they're all pretty young, and a lot of them are somewhat unproven. But I think out of every running back within the division, I think Carryon Johnson has the probably the highest uh, potential to be the best running back in the division. I would agree with that. I think he showed amazing carry carry potential last year. He was able to get tons of yardage after upfield, after first contact. He was able to keep fighting forward. And as a rookie, he did a fantastic job up until his injury. Hopefully he's recovered well enough for the injury that he was able to add some extra strength and run a few extra drills in the offseason to really kind of add to those yards after yards after the first touch um, because I think that he has potential to be a fantastic running back for his career, Probably, possibly Hall of Fame. Just looking at what we've seen so far, he has some great numbers and some great ability. My final question to kind of wrap it up, um, if you could make a prediction now um, – and, and you had to predict where the Lions would finish in our, in, and their record, what would it be? I am going to say that they are probably going to finish second in the division, probably behind the Vikings with a record of 10 and 6. Awesome. Thank you very much again for joining us, uh, Jamie. Uh, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? At Jamie L. McTaggart. That's it. Simple and easy. And then uh, you can you you're on the uh, Lions, a witch, and a War Room podcast, which is also part of Overtime Media, and you can listen to her there. And uh, hopefully, we'll get to talk to you soon about the Lions. All right, sounds great. Thanks for having me, guys. Welcome back into the Bear Report podcast. That was Jamie McTaggart from um, the Lions podcast on the Overtime Media Network. Uh, some good insight on the Detroit Lions and what to expect um, going into the season. Although. Her prediction is Detroit to win the division. I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm still sticking with the Bears. Um, our next podcast. Oh, uh, what was that, Aaron? Oh, I just I laughed. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, was, that was. I respect you. That was a crazy prediction, though. Um, oh, no, yeah, no. There's just no. Sorry, not going to happen. Yeah, not going to happen. Lions um, are the worst team in the division right now. I don't even think that's really that close. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no chance. I mean, they and they need a lot of stuff to go right and a lot of stuff to go wrong for the other three teams for them to uh, have a legit shot. But I think Bears fans are actually going to like what they're going to hear from this next one. This is Pack Daddy from a Packers podcast and Overtime Media Network. He actually, um, I won't spoil it, but he had some good things to say about the Bears. So um, enjoy this and here's some insight on the Green Bay Packers. 
And now joining us on the Bear Report podcast is Ryan of the Packernet podcast, also part of the Overtime Media Network. Um, Ryan, we are 52 days away as we're recording this here on Monday afternoon um, from week one where the Bears and Packers will meet at Soldier Field. First off, thanks for joining us. And uh, second off, how are things going uh, leading up to the season? I'm super excited about that football game, man. I cannot wait. But uh, yeah, thanks a lot for having me and thanks for putting up with my uh, my crazy schedule. I appreciate that. No, no problem. Thank you for uh, joining us. Um, you know, for those that haven't listened so far, we've, we're have we going around kind of the NFC North and, and getting insight on other teams in the division through other podcasters and reporters um, to kind of see like where the teams stand going into training camp. Um, Ryan, you'll actually be our last one um, going see into training camp. <laughs> well, <laughs> so we like to do the Packers last because I think there's, there's a lot more, not no disrespect to everyone else, but there's a lot more insight and uh, um, information, I think, back and forth with the Bears and Packers, especially since they're right. opening um, week one. So, yeah, I guess my first question, I mean, last year, you know, we know how it ended with the Packers. Um, obviously, Aaron Rodgers played through, looks like it was a couple injuries, uh, main, the main one, the knee. Um, what kind of happened last season in, in your eyes as to why the Packers, you know, weren't that good and, and didn't make the playoffs? Yeah, I think um... – Looking back now, kind of doing a, uh, you know, post-mortem kind of thing, when 2017 didn't go well, it made sense because Rodgers was hurt the whole year. But I think we've been kind of in denial a little bit about some deep-seated issues, and I think it all kind of came to a head. Uh, If you really look at it, right around 2015, Mike McCarthy was was figured out. They, they, They pegged him. The offense just hadn't really been working, and Aaron Rodgers had been doing a lot to overcome how not great the offense is and then pair that with the defense being terrible you know it's been limping along long enough but you know 2018 it just died it just there was nothing left um you know the losing Jordy and and Randall Cobb being hurt and Geronimo being hurt and Rodgers just trying to work with one wide receiver and a bunch of new guys that don't know what they're doing it just it, it nothing worked you know it just didn't even click even even the talent on the on the field didn't really matter because it just it just wasn't working anymore. So, it, you know, a, a change needed to happen. Before we kind of get into the offseason moves, um, you know, kind of from a Packers perspective, were you a little shocked at what the Bears did last year um, under first-year first, first year head coach Matt Nagy? Or, um, I mean, I guess, did you maybe see it coming, or did you think they kind of exceeded expectations? I saw it coming, but not to that extent. I know a lot of Packer fans last year going into week one, it, it was sort of starting the season – we're overlooking the game against the Bears. Like, oh, man, week two against the Vikings is going to be real tough. And I say, you know, the, the, the Bears, if, if you just look at the defense and the trajectory, it's been going straight up. If they take one more step and Trubisky is, is a better quarterback, and if you look at the fact that the Bears have basically just been losing their games by a couple points, I mean, if it just falls the other direction, this is a, you know, a 10-win team even pr- prior to that. So I said, let's not overlook the Bears, especially now that they got Khalil Mack and, and Matt Nagy. But uh, no, I didn't exactly expect how good. I didn't think the defense would be that good. But um, yeah, I, I guess it was sort of our worst nightmares come true. And I, I was right to to caution Packer fans that the Bears could be for real. Uh, yeah, so going into this offseason, obviously the biggest move that the Packers made, they fired Mike McCarthy last season. Um, they brought in Matt LaFleur. And it's so from an outsider's perspective, Okay, the Packers got a guy that's going to work with the quarterback, offensive mind. Um, that was kind of my worst fear. I kind of thought they, you know, 
was hoping they'd stay on the tracks and, and maybe bring in an older veteran coach and still falling behind, you know, the new age of the NFL. But that was not the case. What's the relationship been like first with Aaron Rodgers and what's kind of general mood around um, the new hiring after, you know, free agency, after the draft, after OTAs and now as we go into training camp? Yeah, I mean, there, there hasn't really been much. Uh, I think a lot of the gaps have been filled by people ginning up controversy, as I'm sure you know, as far as, oh, Rodgers and LaFleur, it's already, it's it's silliness. Yeah. I mean, there's there's what I would call a potential problem between the two if, if things don't work out. But that's the way I see it. If, if the Packers aren't winning, there's going to be a problem. If the Packers are winning, it's not going to be a problem. It's, it's just, it's not as though Aaron Rodgers is going to sabotage the team. As far as, you know, how things are going now, it's really way too early to tell. Um, there's a lot of optimism about Matt LaFleur and bringing in this offense. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people like to scoff at, well, you know, everybody that's in that Sean McVay kind of tree, which isn't actually correct, but in that tree is just getting picked off and it's silly. But if you look at it, every coach from either the the Shanahan or the Andy Reid tree, including Nagy, Every single one of those coaches has been successful so far, and pretty much every hire that has not been in that tree has been pretty much a disaster. I, I just I don't think it's so much the fact that you know it's it's because it came from that tree. I just think this is the offense that works. This is the offense that can counteract the modern day defenses, and the Packers especially, with having one of the most archaic offenses for so long, really needed to get modernized. So I don't know exactly how it's all going to pan out. I don't know how. You know, the relationship. I don't know exactly how good LaFleur is at, at implementing these things and game planning. You know, anybody can just take a playbook and call plays, but it takes more than that to be a coach. I don't know that yet, but it, it this is the right hire as far as if you want to modernize the offense. This guy has spent a ton of time under Kyle Shanahan and, yes, one year under McVay. So cautious optimism, I think, would be the, the biggest thing going forward. You know, you touched on it earlier that the defense just pretty much fell apart. Um, it was kind of just a patchwork defense over the last couple of years, and then finally, you know, it kind of fell apart for the Packers, and it showed last season, as you as you pointed out to. But this offseason, they did make some big moves. Obviously, the one that, that all Bears fans know is the Bears and Packers pretty much switched safeties. Uh, Adrian Amos signed that deal with the Packers, and HaHa Clinton Dix came over to Chicago a couple days later. Um, but other than that, you know, the Packers from free agency, they're aggressive on the defensive side of the football. In addition to Amos, they brought in Zadarius Smith, and they also brought in Preston Smith, two guys um, that could play on the outside and rush the passer. And in this division, you look around, Vikings have a really solid defense. The Bears have a really good defense. They have, you know, Khalil Mack is arguably the top pass rusher in the league. It was important for Green Bay to go out and kind of get their guys and whether, you know, whether or not it'll work out is still to be seen. But what was kind of generally your thoughts on how the Packers did address the defense um, first with free agency? Yeah, so it's it kind of needed to happen. Um, it, it wasn't just McCarthy that had kind of gone stale. You know, Dom Capers on defense had been stale for a long time, and they had been pegged. And Ted Thompson, as much respect as I have for him, he has not really had very many draft picks that are any good, with the exception maybe of Kenny Clark over the last maybe three years. And then just not – so if you can't build through the draft, you got to supplement in free agency. He wasn't doing that. So things just continued to fall apart. And I give, I give Brian Gutekunst credit because pretty much every hole that there was – as much as I felt like this might be a multi-year rebuild, he kind of went out and patched all the holes. Now, how good is Zadarius and Preston going to be? How good is Amos going to be now that he's not with the Bears? You know, I don't exactly know, but um, he definitely went out and he, he filled all the holes. Um, I, I'm 
nervous about Preston and Zadarius because they just had one big year. And we saw that with Nick Perry. He had one big year, he got a massive contract, and he just fell off. A little bit nervous about that. And as far as Adrian Amos, kind of like I said, I'm a little bit nervous about, you know, you, you pull him or anybody from that Bears defense away from the Bears defense. It just feels like there was a really tight ecosystem over there, and you kind of wonder what's going to happen when they leave. But um, I, I think either way, there's there's almost no possible way this defense gets worse. Not even so much because it was, you know, the worst thing I've ever seen last year. I think Packers have had worse defenses than last year. But just just getting people that are upgrades. Adrian Amos, regardless of how good or bad he is, is going to be an upgrade over what we had. Preston and Zadarius are going to be an upgrade over Clay Matthews and uh, Nick Perry. And that's really very little doubt in my mind about that as bad as things got last year. Yeah, you kind of brought up a good point because I know you and I talked about it when um, I was on your podcast a couple of weeks ago. The whole Adrian Amos thing is it's it's I want to say funny in a way, but not necessarily funny because I agree. I think when you look back at this Bears defense um, and you look at all the talent around them, you know, was Adrian Amos a product of having superior talent around him, or is he that good? I mean, we'll see with the Packers because. He should be one of their better um, players in the secondary. Um, but, you know, you never know, honestly. And um, going into the draft here, the Packers also did address the defense. Uh, their first two picks were on the defensive side of the football, including a guy I really liked at safety in uh, Darnell Savage Jr. What's kind of your thoughts on those moves and, and getting Rashawn Gary on the edge? Is is Gary going to be able to come in right away and have an impact? Is it going to take a little time? Where are the Packers going to play him? And then kind of what's the path for Savage? Yeah, so I think Savage is the guy everybody's excited about. Of all the free agents and draft picks, that's the one that really stands out. Um, I mean, he's one of those guys where I think Gary and Savage are kind of opposites. If you watch Gary, there wasn't a lot of production. So the talent is kind of in there somewhere and it flashes at times, but it just didn't really translate very well. So it's really a big question of, of Mike Patton, for one, the defensive coordinator, and his ability to utilize him properly, which is going to be easier because there's so much talent elsewhere. It might not be Khalil Mack-type talent, but Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, Preston and Zedaria Smith, it gives him some flexibility to use him how he needs to be used as opposed to you know making him an every-down kind of guy. But Savage is the opposite, where you just turn on any game of Darnell Savage, and it's like, oh my goodness, this guy is he's really, really talented. So there's a lot of excitement about that. Um, as far as Gary being utilized, right, I, I don't really know. He's got a he's got a shoulder injury on top of things, which supposedly isn't a big deal, but that always makes me nervous. And I think one of the other things that is really exciting to Packers fans is Mike Smith, who is the outside linebacker coach. Packers didn't have one last year, which blows my mind. I don't know how the most position, most important position on the defense, your pass rushers, don't even have a coach. But they got one now, and they got Mike Smith, who was in Kansas City, the guy that got D Ford from being a complete bust to maybe the best pass rusher in the NFL last year, and Justin Houston, who was on a pretty massive downswing of his career, really kind of got him going. So there's some excitement that you know they got a pretty good coach that's going to be able to kind of refine and get the best out of the guys that they have uh, at the pass rush position. Yeah, that's kind of shocking when you say that there was not even a coach for, like you said, yeah. one of the most important positions. Um, on a defense. So just over a week away from training camp from teams reporting, um, what are some kind of the battles you're looking at? Um, let's go first on offense. Is there any, is there any position battles or even roster battles um, on offense that you're looking forward to? Biggest one is going to be wide receiver. Uh, Devonte Adams is obviously clear. Number one after that he, bunch of question marks. Uh, the, the big 
the big ones outside of a couple, you know, some people like other people, but Marquez Valdez Scantling has the most hype right now. Um, Equinemia St. Brown and then Geronimo Allison, who's a little bit more of the veteran. Um, that's going to be kind of the, the big one and, and not just so much who gets it. I don't really care who gets it. The question is, are we going to have somebody opposite Devonte Adams? That's actually a good wide receiver, you know, just a solid number two wide receiver, because that was a big problem last year. When you have one guy and the defense can just double them and put whoever on the other guy and you're, you can shut down an offense, that's completely unacceptable. So hopefully Marquez or EQ or one of these guys can kind of step up and, and be that next, uh, that, that next, I don't know, the next level. Um, tight end, maybe kind of a battle. You know, you got Mercedes Lewis and Jimmy Graham, who are the veterans who are not what they used to be. We drafted Jay Sternberger. I really like him trying to be realistic because he was a third round draft pick, but I, I really thought in the draft, he was maybe my favorite tight end, which sounds silly, but he's a great receiver. So that'll be interesting to see how that gets materialized and otherwise offensive line a little bit. Um, the right guard position is going to be taken by somebody else. Cause that was a nightmare, but we've got Elton Jenkins who we drafted in the second round, Billy Turner, who we paid a bunch of money to uh, Lane Taylor, who was the guy already at left guard. So kind of a little bit of shuffling there. But I think the biggest competition is going to be wide receiver for the offense. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the offensive line because, I mean, we saw last season, even that first game, we all know what happened in the end. But, I mean, it just looked like the Packers offensive line couldn't contain anyone. I mean, it didn't matter who the Bears were throwing out there as an edge rusher or, rush, or rushing the quarterback. It was just like it just felt like Green Bay's, no matter who they had besides uh, Bakatari, it just felt like no one could stop them. And I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how fixed that offensive line is this year because, I mean, let's be realistic. If the Packers' offensive line this year is bad, I know Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. He's really good. But there'll be times where, he, you know, he might struggle if that offensive line's bad. Well, that was something I, I just went through. Uh, the, the last thing I did on my, po- my podcast was kind of just doing an overview of the season and looking at my biggest fears and it's crazy because the first half of the season, the Packers go up against some of the best pass rushers in the NFL. It's, it's just, it's horrifying. So especially on that right side of the line with uh, Brian Balaga and whoever the right guard is going to be, if, if like you said, if, if they don't have that solidified, we're in a lot of trouble because Khalil Mack, Daniil Hunter, just go down the list and look at some of the, the top pass rushers that are going to be Trey Flowers. Trey mm-hmm. Flowers. Um, you got the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I'm not going to remember any of their names now. I'm blanking on them. But all of them have really top-tier, dangerous pass rushers. So they, they have to have that ready to go. That and or Aaron Rodgers needs to get the ball out. Enough of this sitting around, dancing around for eight seconds nonsense. <laughs> Uh, is, is Matt LaFleur going to know how to use the running back position this year? Because it just, from an outsider's perspective, it felt like Mike McCarthy had no clue what the hell he was doing with the running back position. Well, it was funny. My friend and I, we used to joke around and say that uh, McCarthy would call the run play. He just, that, that was it. He just had the run play. Because he, he just, yeah, it, it, he, <laughs> he never, and it, it actually came out that he never really drilled it. They didn't really practice it. It was all about the quarterback. It was all about throwing the football. So, um, there was a, a guy, Amon Green, who was an old running back. He actually did, after he went from the Packers, he went and played for um, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan. And he said he was blown away how much time and preparation they put in toward the run, the, the, the running game because Mike McCarthy never did anything. He never tried. And we saw, like you saw last year, we finally got a running back who's really talented. Two years in a row, he's at 5.5 yards per carry. The guy's an absolute freak. Won't run him. Won't put him in, and, and he's splitting carries with the other guy who's getting four yards a carry. He's getting maybe 12 carries a game. It's just, it's ridiculous. So 
definitely excited to see Matt LaFleur come in and really put an emphasis on running the football, practicing it, rehearsing it, all that kind of stuff, and just seeing what, what happens when we run the ball more more efficiently and give Jones some some carries and take some pressure off of Aaron Rodgers, especially when we're going up against these really good pass rushers. Yeah, and the running back you talk about is Aaron Jones, obviously. Exactly, yep. Um, yeah, I, fantasy owner of Aaron Jones here, and it was just so damn frustrating seeing yeah. the potential he had and like thinking, oh my God, this guy's going to be a steal. And then Mike McCarthy would just go to Jamal Williams or yep. just throw the ball all over the field. And yeah, it was it was bad for fantasy owners. Um, let's flip over defensive side of the football. Uh, I think still a lot of question marks you know, from an outsider's perspective. Um, we did talk about the pass rushers and the improvement they made there. What What are some of the biggest uh, position battles and maybe even roster battles on the defensive side of the football? Um, I think things are pretty solidified. It's just really a matter of rotation. Cornerback is going to be a big question as far as who starts where. Jair, I think, has already solidified himself. Jair Alexander is the number one. Um, after that, Kevin King, a lot of Packer fans really like him. Um, I've, I've been a little, little harsh. I'm not the biggest Kevin King fan. Um, but you know, Josh Jackson is going into his second year and, uh, we, we drafted Kadar Holman. It, it's just kind of a question as far as, you know, maybe Tremont who was safety last year comes back, who's going to be number two, number three, but that's probably more or less similar to the defensive line going to be a, a matchup thing and a rotation thing. So not a ton of, of, Everything's pretty set. Everything's pretty much solidified um, who the starters are going to be. It's really, like you said, though, just a lot of question marks. Same with the offense. We know who's there. It's just a matter of are we going to get the best version of them that we saw in 2018? Are the corners going to take that second-year leap? You know, is Amos still going to be good? Savage and Gary? All question marks across the defense that could range anywhere from still a garbage defense to this is actually a pretty solid defense. Yeah, I was one of the guys that's kind of high on Josh Jackson. Um coming out of Iowa, the cornerback. What were kind of your thoughts on him coming out and then up to date now? Yeah, a lot of Packer fans thought he was the first round pick. And when they traded up to get Jair in the first round, it was like, you know, surprising. But this this is maybe this is Josh Jackson. They took Jair. It's like, oh, okay. My thought was, well, we got Jair. We don't need Josh Jackson. But when he fell all the way to the Packers in the second round, it wasn't even a question. It was like, well, it has to be. I mean, there's no way they took him again. Now, I think the biggest concern is, he was really solid as a zone corner, right? Kind of sit back and observe and read the quarterback, and he got a ton of interceptions. Well, Mike Pettin runs a press man scheme, so he's he's up in everybody's face trying to jam people up. It's just a different thing, and it didn't seem to translate super well. That and they moved him into the slot a lot. They had him in the box. He was everywhere, so he had a lot on his plate, including changing the way he plays defense. So hopefully he can kind of learn it and, and step up but I am a little bit concerned that maybe we're just taking him out of his, his style of play and it's just not really going to translate. And then my final one, uh, we've asked every host this, but um, I kind of want to get your take here on where the Packers stand in the NFC North um, going into training camp. Obviously a lot can happen between next week and, and week one. What, where do you kind of feel like the Packers rank in this division um, among the other, other three teams and give me a record prediction on a, uh, the record and where the Packers will finish in your eyes. So it's, it's really, really, really hard just because, I mean, if I, if we just take 2018 as, as the benchmark, so it's the bears, the Vikings, the Packers and the lions, but then look at the improvements that have been made. You can almost flip it on its head. I think maybe the Packers did a little more than the lions, but you know, the, the lions and Packers improved a lot. The, the Vikings and bears more or less kind of maintained what they had. And then there's also a question of, you know, 
I, I, I would be concerned about the Bears and their defense. Are they going to get better? Are they going to be able to maintain that? Are they going to get worse? Trubisky is a massive question mark. If he takes a step, uh, you know, just throw the white flag because I don't, if, if he becomes a, a top 10 quarterback and the, the defense can maintain what it did last year, I don't see much hope. But it's a question. The, the Vikings, you know, I, there was obviously a giant step back. Are we going to see the 2018 Vikings or the 2017 Vikings? 2017, dominant. 2018, not great. Packers, like I said, is nothing but question marks. I think they have the potential, if everything kind of goes the right way, to be the top team. They also have the potential, if, if they are the same team they were last year and the Lions get better, to be fourth in the division. So I'm, I'm going to keep the Bears number one just because that's usually where I start as the default to just, you know, whatever you did last year, that's fine. I'm going to go a little bit homerish and say the Packers are above the Vikings just because they did a ton to get better. The Vikings didn't really do anything from what I can tell to get much better. And then I'll, I'll say Vikings and then Lions. Um, I'm, I'm actually a little higher on the Lions than most just because I, I do see what they did to improve. And I understand it's the Lions and you're, they're always going to be garbage no matter what. But <laughs> one, of, one of these times they're going to shake that. And it's got to happen, right? I'm looking at the defensive front. I think it's pretty solid. You know, they, they're not the scariest team in the world, but their quarterback is capable. The wide receivers are, are talented. They've got a wide receiver who could break out. The running back I really, really like. So, you know, I mean, they can hurt you if, if, we're, not, if we're sleeping on them a little bit. Um, so I, I guess that would be my ranking as of right now. It would be the, um, the bears, the Packers, the Vikings, and then the lions, as far as a, a projection, I would like to see 10 wins. I don't know if I would project 10 wins. I think that's a pretty good benchmark for all the changes. Defensive coordinator in a second year, Lafleur's in his first year. If they can reach that 10 wins and kind of get into that wild cardy area, maybe be second in the division. I'm feeling pretty good about that because the other good thing about this team is that it's it's built for the long term, right? Everybody, Savage, Amos, Gary, Clark, Smith, Alexander, King, Jackson, the entire defense is early to mid-20s. The offense, for the most part, is is relatively young. If they can be successful or at least show progress, this is a team that can get back to being successful for the long term. So, again, 10 wins is kind of that benchmark I'd like to shoot for. I will say this: um, we did have the the Vikings and uh, Alliance podcast around. We we kind of got like their predictions and maybe where they'd stand in the division. And you were the only one not to say that to represent your team and say they're going to finish in first place. The Lions uh, guys said first place. Yeah, yeah, first place for the Lions, first place for the Vikings. Um, yeah, if I I mean I'm not even trying to be a homer. I think you got to enter the year. I think the Bears have to be the favorite just because what they did last year. But it would not shock me if, like you said, they did take a step back um, a little bit on defense and maybe were pushed back to second. I think worst case scenario for them is third. I don't see the Bears going dead last in the division. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I agree with what you said, too, because I think this season is going to be all Mitchell Trubisky. If Mitchell Trubisky takes that next step, I think the Bears are a legit Super Bowl contender. If he's like he was last year, I think they're kind of in that same spot, maybe win a playoff game and and, and not be legit considered a – a Super Bowl contender. So yeah, I mean, we'll have to see how it all plays out. Yep. I agree. Yes. Thank you again, man, for uh, joining us. Where can they follow you on Twitter? Pack underscore daddy is where I'm at. Um, not the most active person in the world, but sometimes <laughs> I, I, I try to stay away from it. It's pretty, pretty annoying on there, but you can find me on there. I'll be talking about stuff once in a while. Otherwise be sure to check out the podcast. If you want to spy yes. on the enemy once in a while, I do a daily podcast. So um, any information you need to know, just search the library. There's information there. 
Yes, I highly recommend it if you guys want any insight on the opposing team, especially leading into that week one matchup. Um, we'll have to get together again and maybe preview week one at Soldier Field. I look forward to that. Appreciate it. That's uh, Ryan of Packernet Podcast, and uh, we'll be back after this. And welcome back into the Bear Report Podcast. You just heard a interview with Ryan from the Packernet Podcast, a.k.a. Pack Daddy on Twitter. Uh, another good show on the Overtime Media Network. He had some really good stuff on the Packers, and I think he was actually fair with the Bears' assessment in saying that Mitchell Trubisky, I mean, everything pretty much lies on Mitchell Trubisky this year. If he can take the next step, the Bears could be really dangerous. Um, and a little bit more realistic uh, prediction uh, for for his NFC North, um, having the Bears and Packers make the playoffs. So, Aaron, I guess the other news that you know came out this week, and I know you don't really care for it much. I eh, I play the game, but I mean the ratings really don't mean much to me because they always change. But the Madden ratings came out, and Twitter was going nuts over the Bears ratings. Um, I'll kind of run through a couple of them really quick. Cleo Mack was 99 overall. Eddie Jackson, 91 overall. Kyle Fuller, 89. Trey Burton, 87. Akeem Hicks, 87. Uh, a lot of notables. Mitch Trubisky was 75. And uh, Roquan Smith was 81. And I guess the big ones that everyone had a problem with was obviously Trubisky at 75. Um, and then Trey Burton being the Bears' highest-rated offensive player at 87. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this, Aaron, um, for Matt? I don't know if you even play the game or how much you've ever played the game, but is it something that really kind of matters to you or something that fans just kind of just, meh? Well, I mean, I definitely play Madden, uh, but, I mean, they're, they're oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to not be a complete jerk about this. Their ratings mean about as much to me as pro football focus grades, and which is ironic <laughs> because I think they actually rely a lot on pro football focus. I don't. It just, I don't know, man. It doesn't, a lot of their stuff doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm sorry, but, you know, you could feel how you want about Trubisky at this point, but <clears throat> Lamar Jackson over Trubisky? Really? Like, Lamar Jackson, watch what Lamar Jackson did as a quarterback. Not as a running back, but watch what he actually did as a quarterback. He was terrible last year. I don't I don't understand that one. There were a few other guys. Uh, Trey Burton, I think they're a little too high on. I think it's 100% disrespectful. Kyle Fuller's an 89, but he was an all-pro. That makes a lot of sense. That you know, that, I just, I think at some points, you know, obviously it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. But the, it sometimes you look at these ratings and you're just like, where the hell, like, where are you even getting them? I mean, even the team ratings, they had the Packers as the fourth best team. They had the Bears as I want to say it was like 11th or 14th. I mean, there's just, it's, it's the same bias every year. It's the same bias we see every year. The, you know, the Packers are back. You know, the Packers are this, the Packers are that. The Bears aren't going to be that good or whatever it may be. And it's like, okay, but, you know, at some point in time, I mean, we got to kind of have to start looking at the last few years, at least with the Packers, and say, okay, well, you know, they really haven't been very good in a while, and, and Rodgers is getting hurt more often. But I don't know, man. It's just one of those – it's kind of the same thing as pro football focus grades for me where it's just – they don't matter. They don't matter at all. Um, I don't care what any of those guys from Pro Football Focus actually say. No, teams are not using their grades for anything. They're using their services. That's 100% true. But they're not using their, their Madden grades. It does That doesn't make any sense. It, it never has. It never will. There, there's multiple metrics that they have, Pro Football Focus, and they do some very good things. But in terms of their actual grades that they put out, their grades are terrible. I think they lack a lot of any sort of real context, I mean, you could sit there and say, well, this is what the person, you know, this is what the player is supposed to do because they're in this coverage or they're doing this and this was their assignment. But that doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I think you can actually go back and you can really look and you can look at some of their grades and really compare that to 
you know, how, how these guys are actually grading out or how these guys are actually performing to see that there's a lot of inconsistencies. And that's just football, though. Football in general is a very complex sport. It's much more complex than baseball, so it's a much harder to be able to put advanced analytics behind anything. And, again, I mean, Madden, it's, it's a video game, and they're, they're leaning a lot on pro football focus, so it's just one of those things you have to take with a grain of salt. And like you pointed out in the very beginning, they're going to change. They're going to change. I think they do what weekly updates during the season. I mean, things are going to change. Yep. We're not rated as a good team last year. And then we saw what happened. So it is what it is. It shouldn't mean anything. I wouldn't get too worked up about it, but I do think a lot of those grades were laughable. Yeah. They do change every week and it's, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like it's, it's laughable, but I'm not going to like freak out and make a huge big deal on uh, Twitter and and the internet's a video game. I play the video game, but it really the ratings really doesn't matter. it doesn't matter to me because they change. It's it's crazy, but this is another thing to help us get get through this long week before uh, training camp starts next next week, and we'll be back with a whole brand new episode next week actually. Um, previewing both offense and defense as the Bears go into training camp and we'll have some stuff on uh, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace from their press conference. Hopefully dissect a little bit about that um, and then give you guys some more insight on the Bears. And then, I mean, starting next week, man, it's going to be full speed ahead. It's finally time. I, yes. I think we're all ready at this point, and that just means, for me, it's getting cooler, or at some point it'll start getting cooler, and for everybody it means the football season and the, the good time of the year's back. Yes, thank God. And hopefully it'll be a successful Bears season um, this year. So thanks again, Aaron, for joining me. Where can uh, everyone follow your work? Yeah, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, obviously, uh, on the on the, on the the Bear Report as well. Yep. Uh, actually, check out Aaron's three up, three down, and three with uh, something to prove articles. We go into training camp. It was just published on Tuesday. Good stuff on some players um, that I want to get into next week because I, I agree almost all of them uh that you wrote down um actually i do agree with all of them but i think it's gonna, be a, it's gonna have to be a big training camp for uh some guys um going into this year so you can follow me on twitter at, at zach Z-A-C-T underscore pearson and my work on the bear report and we'll be back next week with a uh, another episode until then everyone take care Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.